Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayo. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, I am joined by my sister Kay. We're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about the entire series of Castle, which aired on ABC for the last uh, eight years. We've just finished watching the final four episodes of the series. Uh, we've watched it since it started. It starred uh, Nathan Fillion, formerly of uh, Firefly and Serenity. He was also on Two Guys and a... Uh, two Guys and a Girl, Two Guys and a Girl in a Pizza Place, something, something like, like that. that. And then he had a short-lived series, Drive? Yes. Um, and then uh, Stana Kadok, uh played Detective Beckett, who was the, the female lead on the show. Uh, Nathan Fillion played Richard Castle, a writer, who there's a, a, in the pilot, some murders based on his books. He gets pulled in to help solve that. Actually, he I think originally was a suspect, even. Yeah. Has connections, because he's a New York Times best-selling writer, etc., high-profile writer, has connections, and enjoyed working with Detective Beckett and basically pressures the mayor to let him keep doing that. Well, in some respects, it's got a little bit of a Murder, She Wrote vibe to it. But in other respects, it's really, in Captain Beckett, he's kind of found his muse, his inspiration for a new character. Well, it's equal part standard police procedural mixed with a romantic comedy. Yes. You know, and there was a period of you know, will they or won't they get together? And then they do, and then they get married, and then things happen. You know, the whole evolution of the relationship. Well, and this came on the air far enough after 9 11 mm-hmm. that it was after the point at which not only had 9 11 happened, and we'd gotten over the that was inconceivable to the American public, but it was after the point at which the U.S. government had gone to Hollywood and said, okay, our very logic-oriented analysts had thought this was inconceivable. We need to create a forum of really the most creative minds that Hollywood can offer. And Stephen J. Keno was one of the minds that they tapped for this. Mm -hmm. And they said, we need to know what do you think a terrorist could do that we consider inconceivable in the way of an attack? And what should we be preparing for? like the Twin Towers, that we never imagined. Mm -hmm. And so those are the kinds of theories, though, that Rick Castle comes up with when he's helping them solve crimes. Absolutely. He's got kind of the... He's coming at the the mysteries from the narrative structure. What's the story? Whereas the, the police detectives are coming at it from more of a just detective point of view. They're purely working the evidence and working the crime. But he's working the motive the relationship, the drama of it, and at times has just these crazy theories. You know, it was a zombie that did it. It was aliens that did it. It's supernatural. You know, crazy things. And in a few other cases, he's got things that are not literally unbelievable, but just here is the plot line they're essentially following and kind of how the, how stories, ref- I don't want to say reflect real life, but are, are bizarre echoes of it. And you can see certain... Uh, drama themes and plot lines almost in obviously the the drama plot lines of a tv show but 
True. In their in their world, in reality. Yeah. And it was fun because there were times where the detectives were clearly just no, no, that's that's insane. Let's move off. But there are other times for a while. Uh, Espo and Ryan, the two other detectives, were almost trying to top Castle with a no, no. This is what it is. And it's like, can we come up with those kinds of crazy theories? And it was an interesting blend and a very effective blend of the detective procedural kind of a thing. Again, that romantic comedy between Castle and Beckett, but then also the family aspect with Castle's uh, daughter and mother and stuff, and just how those worlds kind of intersected. But it was something where the the family stuff was to add background and flesh out the, the Castle character, and almost the police procedural side to flesh out the Beckett character. And it never felt like these things were fighting concerns in the show. No, they both definitely added depth to each character individually, to them as a couple. Mm -hmm. You know, through the family, we saw the balancing act of the Castle character in terms of he's very much a child at heart. Well, and there were times that his, his teenage daughter was almost the parent in the relationship. And there were times where that kind of flipped, where she was a little lost and needed his guidance and such. And it it put a very human spin on what could have otherwise been a, a ludicrous character mm -hmm. if it had been strictly stuck in the police world of events. Yeah. Now, if we never saw the home life of these characters, this, this writer that comes in with these wacky theories would be the comedic relief and never taken seriously. Well, and because he raised... Such a mature and responsible child, you knew there was something redeeming within this very wild, out there, creative spirit. Mm -hmm. He couldn't be all bad if he managed to produce that kid. Yeah. Yeah. And if he was the one doing most of the parenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it, it showed the hidden responsible side of him, even if at times it was fairly well hidden. Yeah, well, and when we first met the Beckett character, she was very career-driven. Mm -hmm. She was, I don't want to say hyper-responsible, but she was very dedicated to the job. Very focused. Yeah, and she needed someone to bring her into the light. To up. Yeah. She had outside interests, but they were very outside of things. It took a while for her to even openly admit she'd been reading Richard Castle's novels. Yeah. You know, which when she was later than the the basis for the character, you know, threw an interesting spin on it. It was also fun how over the course of eight years, new aspects of the, the characters were continually revealed to each other. Yeah. And not in a really they're they're pulling this out, where did this come from if they'd had that three seasons ago or whatever. Uh it, it's something that just kind of showing you learn more about somebody the more you you interact with them yeah there was an aspect though where i felt certain things that were set up in the show were just quietly cast aside and ignored such as one thing that was set up early on was the uh the poker game between the writers okay now that had to be cast aside in one respect and that's the death of stephen j canal in real life one of the writers died uh, that was in, in yeah. the game. But they had a few others, and they could have brought in, even if they'd only done it like once a season or something. Nobody wanted to fill his chair when he passed away. And I mean, when you think and I of can understand that. what a legend he was, 
Absolutely. He was one of the most prolific writers in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, yeah. As someone, I mean, I knew him in real life. He's, well, and yes, because of that, I, I got to meet him a time. Yeah. Too. I mean, I worked with him on and off for, what was that, eight months. He he was someone who meant a lot to me. For, for listeners who aren't familiar, he wrote or created and wrote almost any major action show you probably watched in the 80s well, or 90s even. At one point- I'm thinking he was involved with uh, A-Team, oh, yeah. Riptide. I know it was Sunny Spoon. It was, uh, gosh, literally, I mean, you you pull up his IMDb page and it's it's shows that you would still remember today. Yeah. Um, he just has this amazing body of work. Uh, he was so well known as both a creator and a writer that he had his own tag video at the end of TV shows. Before that was a common thing. If you've to do. ever seen the end of a, a again that era of show where at the end there's a guy with a, a, a beard and stuff typing away at a thing, grabs the paper and rips it off, and it kind of floats down into a logo. That's him. Yeah. Um, he worked on Rockford Files, 21 Jump Street, uh, Cobra, uh, Booker, Wise Guy, oh, I'm just skimming his credits, A-Team, Riptide, Last Pre- Precinct, Hardcastle, McCormick, Greatest American Hero mm-hmm. was one of his big hits. I knew him when we worked together on Renegade. Uh, he just, so many shows. At one point, he just had this golden touch as far as a lot of people in Hollywood were concerned, to the point that he knew somebody who had written a script. He thought it was good. He was shopping around. Nobody would even look at it. And Stephen said, well, let me read it. Let me see. You know, and he read through it. He's like, this is really good. As a joke, he said, you know what? I bet if I put my name on this, people would read it and buy Mm. it. He said, in fact, you know what? And he typed up a new cover page with his name on it, a title nobody had seen before. And said, shop it around with this cover page on it. And if it sells, we'll switch the name back to yours. And it sold immediately because it had Steven's name on it and people actually read it. I want to say it was uh, NYPD Blue Mm. or, I mean, it turned into a huge show. I was going to say that would have been, that's not Belisario. That was. um, Um, I forget who it was, but it was someone. Somebody who's an equally big name now because of. Yeah, yeah. And it was someone who just couldn't get read at the time because mm. they hadn't started out yet. But I mean, Stephen Cannell is is kind of is the kind of writer to a degree that that Castle was based on. Somebody that was prolific, that was creative and stuff. And and there's again kind of the idea of you've got somebody writing mystery stories. They understand how mysteries get solved, how how people think, how how they act. And and has just this wealth of, of esoteric research knowledge they've done. Yeah. Put them onto a, a police team and it changes the dynamic. Yeah. And add it, you know, with, with the Castle character, somebody who is not only got that larger than life personality, but that larger than life ego at times. You know, there, there was a bit in the opening uh, uh, credits in the early seasons where... You know, he stops, catches himself in the mirror. It's like, I am ruggedly handsome. Or well, and that started off of, a, he saw a cardboard cutout of him yeah. for the uh, books being shown in a bookstore window. And it's, I really am ruggedly handsome. And it just kept going for the longest time. And again, Fillion was able to play that really well. But the writers on the show, and I think the prop people, had some really clever moments. Yeah. At one point, 
he's hanging out with the, the NYPD, NYPD. They're doing kind of that that uh, SWAT thing. Everybody's got their their bulletproof vests with you know police on it. He's gotten his own made that says writer. Yes. You know, and just watching the evolution of the character of Castle and everyone around him from when they first meet in the the pilot to now eight seasons and a total of what 173 173 episodes episodes later um well early on they would leave him in the car and he would ask them to crack a window mm -hmm. and stuff they well and at the end they're giving him a gun yes and it was something like no not gonna ever happen kind of thing but he got trained he learned over and it was a slow steady evolution yeah um, but one of the other things, other than the poker game that I think I dropped, and again, that's you're right, that's an understandable thing. It would have been nice to have a line or two of dialogue. They did one episode after Stephen died with the, with empty, the empty chair, chair. and then it just really felt like they were never willing to recast, if you will, and, and I get that, that chair. I agree with that, but if something later had just been, I missed those, or you know what I mean, that yes. sort of a, a thing. Yeah. You know, bumping into one of the other writers having launchers, you know. Yeah. There are other ways they could have, have, have trailed that off gracefully. But then at one point, uh, about three, four seasons in, I could be a little off on this, he bought a bar. Yes. And that kind of didn't get used. And there was a bit where it's like they'd go have drinks there, whatever. And then over the last three, four seasons, nowhere to be found. Yeah. Not even mentioned, whatever. So there are a few, I don't want to say missteps, but a few things that just went away. Overall, though, this show had, for eight seasons, a very good cast, a very consistent cast, and a very stable cast. Well, and really, I think the characters of Ryan and Espo, they started out at the two desks in the background. They were the backup cops, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I read the first novel the in the Nikki Heat series that was based off the show. And one of the things I loved about that, for as much as it was, I want to say, a novelization of the characters, but not really of the plot of some episodes, mm -hmm. they captured the mannerisms of the actors mm, and yeah. a lot of the feel of the stuff from the show. That's something that with a, a novel based on a TV show in particular, where you've got such a body of work. That as a viewer, you know these characters and just the nuances. Yeah. Having somebody in a prose novel capture not just the voice, but almost the body language. Yeah, they captured the way Ryan would flip open his little notebook to write notes. Mm -hmm. um, they captured the wardrobe differences between Ryan, who's usually in the suit, versus Espo. Who's, who's a little bit more street. Yeah, that's yeah. the phrase I was going to use, in fact. Um, so I really like that. But... Over the course of the eight seasons, Ryan and Espo didn't really physically change desks that much, but they really stepped up from being the backup team of detectives, if you will, mm -hmm. to being much more in a primary team position. Well, what's also fun is the, the almost the bromance between those two over the years. Yes. When one of them gets promoted and the other doesn't. Uh, they, they were fighting at one point. They had to go to counseling. I mean, it's not just like it's smooth sailing and nothing's going on with yeah. these two. Yeah. You know, there were points where they would lay down their lives for each other. There were other points where they were just about ready to beat each other up. Well, I liked uh, the competition for best man mm -hmm. at, uh, I guess it was Ryan's wedding. 
uh, here towards the end, when Ryan was getting all fancy, if you will, with his daughter's uh, oh, school play, yeah. and Espo had been teasing him like crazy about wanting to figure out the dance moves and everything. But then when we see the little kid doing the dance in front of her dad, there's Espo in the background doing the dance moves. Yes. He's he's ribbing Ryan for doing the, the, the stage dad kind of a thing. But he, it, it, what I loved about that is it was one of the few, we don't see uh, Ryan's wife that often. I don't remember the last time we'd seen his kid. Yeah. But that one scene, I thought pretty much established she, because she comes in to see, see dad, but sees Uncle Javi. Yes. Goes running to him, hugs him. Between that, the dance, it's like he's hanging out with them on the off hours. Yeah. We don't see it, but we know it's happening. Yes. And there was an aspect of the way the series is written of just some of the comments they make of it implies the life outside of, of the episodes. Yeah. In a, a terrific way. Yeah. Um, and I think they did a lot of that really well with uh, Alexis and Haley. Both with Alexis and Haley. Uh, Haley was one of the, the additions this season uh, to the cast, uh, helping run the castle's private eye agency. And Alexis, the daughter, she's the one that I think had probably the biggest arc over the thing, just because she aged from 14 to, to what, 22-ish or thereabouts. Thereabouts, yeah. Um, from teenager... Not just through college student, but she starts out, I want to say, babysitting dad at the PI agency because she knows what kind of trouble Castle can get into having his own PI there's, agency. There's really a coming of age aspect to that character that sometimes is very much on screen, other times very much not. One of my favorite scenes was when they were doing a uh, crime at a convention. Mm. And they had a lot of kind of sci-fi guest stars or whatever, because it was a sci-fi-ish sort of a show. Um, but Castle's there investigating. He's walking around and bumps into his daughter in costume, in a somewhat revealing costume. And they're like, Dad, Alexis, we're never going to speak of this. Yes, yes. Kind you know, it was very much, she is her father's daughter. Yeah. But also, she's not the little kid she used to be. Yeah. And she did such a great job. At every point in the the series, including the she's moving out, that's not working. She's too proud to s tell her dad it's not working. You know, yeah. Um, they the writers handled it well. Uh, the actress handled it well when she was kind of interning with Lainey, the the medical examiner. That was a great period for that character. It really showed that she's more. She, she was capable of a lot. Yeah. What what got me with this series though is. You go back to that pilot episode. Obviously, we get Castle, we get Beckett, we get Ryan, we get Esposito. So, kind of the core crime-solving team. Mm -hmm. We get Alexis, we get Martha, so Castle's daughter and mother. We get, i trying to remember if Lainey was in the first episode. You know, she's credited as being in all 173. But, but she was not. I don't think so. But she was She was set up early on. I think yeah. she was definitely first season, actually. Whether first episode, I don't know. But then the uh, the... Only characters that really came and went, uh, the first captain of the precinct. I was going to say the captain felt like more of a rotating position. Well, the first one lasted a couple of years. About 60 episodes. Then got replaced with... Um, uh, Penny Johnson. Penny Johnson, who was on Deep Space Nine, among other things. She's done a ton of other stuff. Mm -hmm. She was just a, a bit character there that dated Cisco for a while. But she's been in... I think she was also... 
on 24 is the wife of the president mm. or a couple of other shows. She's done a lot. But then she moves out and then Beckett becomes captain. So really those two uh, previous captains, and it made sense yeah. for them to go. They added Haley. They had another medical examiner that would show up from time to time. But again, I took um, Lainey as a kind of a recurring, not a regular. Yeah. There was another recurring, the tech. Uh, yes, until she went over to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Until she went over to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But other than the, the captain, the tech person, I think they had basically the same, exact same core cast mm-hmm. all eight seasons. Yeah. And then Vikram kind of came in to facilitate this season. Vikram was, was, yes, in addition this season. I think he was a little in last season. Yeah, maybe very at oh. the end. Personally, I didn't care for the Vikram character because he felt purely to me like a plot device. Well, and I think we were reasonably confident going into the final episode, he was going to be the big bad. And I thought the person they or revealed- Or at least in league with- Yes, part of part of the big bad, yeah. if not the. Yeah. Um, but the person they revealed as- the big bad that had been motivating one of the major subplot plot lines for the last season or two. To me, it was out of left field. It was out of left field, and I recognized the actor, one, because he's done a ton of things, but two, uh, almost from his character in another show. Yes, I was thinking that too, actually. And again, spoilers here, it was Gerald McCraney that they they set up, or reveal as Locksat, and it's like he'd shown up in one episode as kind of the head of the Great Detective Society, which mm-hmm. is the episode that had um, Summer Glau. Yes. Which had, which was one of uh, Nathan Fillion's co-stars on Firefly and Serenity. And it was a fun episode, and, and Gerald McCraney did a good job there. But for him to suddenly be this, this lock set that they've built up and is such a big to-do, I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. Whereas it felt much more like Gerald McCraney's character from- um, Agent X? Agent X. Yeah. Um, of course, Gerald McCraney's been been popping up left, right, and center. He was also on uh, a season of House of Cards, and I'm thinking we've seen him somewhere else recently. So was I, because I've been seeing a lot of him lately. Great actor, again. Yeah. Goes Simon back to and Simon. Simon and Simon, which I think, was that also? I was thinking it might be. It definitely uh, uh, was a Stephen Stu Cano. Siegel uh, filmed in San Diego production. It's interesting when you start noticing a few of the behind-the-scenes potential connections whether they were literally you know aspects of that or not gerald mccraney is one of those actors though that i don't know what his first role was but since simon and simon he's been more or less pretty steadily working ever since yeah major dad uh promised land promised land was the other one i was gonna go with Uh, and i thought uh, in designing women he was on that i think wasn't he or am i confusing he at least recurred on that one he was not regular on that no um yeah, he's oh, that's right. He did uh, at least a season on Longmire. Mm. Oh, if you haven't watched him on Longmire, he was excellent on that. Not. He was on Justified. That oh, was where we saw right. him recently. Forgot about that. Castle did a really good job getting some really good guest stars. They had Jonathan Silverman this season. Um, excellent episode. It felt it had a different vibe to it than a lot of episodes, but I really this, enjoyed this it. This was a great one. They get Jonathan Silverman. I'm thinking, okay, he's he's. Maybe not doing a whole lot these days, but big name. He shows up, he's at the beginning, and he gets killed. I'm like, well, we'll see him, you know, on the the slab or whatever, or photos of him. It's like, okay, they got him, just okay, great. And 
he's pronounced dead. They're about to wrap up the crime scene. He pops up. Not dead. Gets killed again. Turns out, not dead again. At this point, the medical examiner, Laney, is like, I know what my job is, and I did it right. He was dead. And I love the doctor in the hospital laughing at her. It's like, yes, yes, of course. But Castle, the whole time, is like, this guy's a superhero. He's immortal. He's There's enough credibility to some of his, his wacky theories that I, it's like, you can't just say he's wrong. I like some of the superhero names they tried for him. Rogaine Man, Captain Cool. I forget who the guest star was in the time travel episode. Who was that? Because that was somebody that was familiar. I almost want to say it was David Hewitt from uh, uh, Stargate Atlantis, but I don't think so. They've had a couple where they really walk the line of, yes, his theory was crazy, but you can't categorically say he was wrong. Well, the one where uh, he said that they were from another planet and they were doing the uh, the experiment. Yes, it was like a, a cross between like Biodome and a Mission to Mars experiment. Yeah. They've they've done a couple of things where the the logistics to to facilitate the the crime just production TV production wise are pretty crazy. And it's certainly not your run of the mill. Somebody at this office building got shot. Let's figure out who did it. The the location is either kind of crazy or it's something that really plays into this is the the start of a I don't say a bad horror film or, or wacky you know show or you know whatever but it's an out there stretch. Well, they did basically a horror film one. They've done more than I think one horror film. One of the best ones is uh they did it might have been the hundredth episode. It was the Rear Window. Yes! Castle is stuck in uh, a wheelchair in the loft, and he witnesses a, a, a murder across the street, a la the Jimmy Stewart film. That was a great one. And it all winds up being, because, you know, the people go over there, he sends people to investigate the whole thing. It was very clear he was going stir-crazy. Yeah. So his daughter, Alexis, and Beckett set up the whole Thing. And they got the class of actors that Martha, his mother, was teaching yes, at the time. Everybody was in on it. Yes. Oh, it was brilliant. It's essentially they punked him. Yeah. Happy birthday, Castle. Here's your present. We've um, been putting our performance just for you. It's just kind of, there are aspects of the over-the-top thing, uh, nature of some of the characters, certainly of Castle and, and, and whatnot, that was just, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Trying to think what other major guest stars they had that were just again. Uh, Adam Baldwin showed up a time or two. Uh, another co-star of his from Firefly. We talked Summer Glau. Jewel State showed up uh, in one of the recent episodes. Um, I would have liked to have seen a few of his other co-stars show up. I have a nagging recollection that Gina Torres was in a uh, Real Housewives type episode. Am I misremembering? I would be hard-pressed to name what Gina Torres has done in recent years. She's been on Suits over okay. on uh, USA. Stuff I'm not watching then. All right. That that yeah. explains a lot. Yeah. She's been doing that for five seasons. It's uh, about to start another season. It's done 77 episodes on wow, it's IMDb. Lot. It's a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I have to know what year Castle started to be able to 2008 find. 2008-ish? We're in 2016. It went yeah. eight years, so 2007 probably. It may have been a late start because I think his first season was about 13 episodes. There it is, yeah. Penelope Foster in the Castle episode, Reality Starstruck. So she was. 
That's what I was thinking. Again, they've gotten some 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 of his co-stars, some good stuff, uh, some other good actors and whatnot. Uh, the writing, by and large, was good. It had a good blend of every episode had beginning, middle, and end. There were a couple of two-parters. Yeah. So it would end on a cliffhanger that they would definitely pick up. But those usually felt like big deals. Occasionally, they played with the opening theme music to move it into the genre that the episode was for, which was kind of fun. They had a, a almost like an opening title card and about a 10-second music cue kind of a thing. And it was basically kind of, I guess, the New York skyline or yeah. whatever. And the word castle and a pen coming down in, in like stabbing through the 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 right slant of the A. Yeah. And there was one where they did a lightning thing in the background because it was stormy night kind of a thing. And they, they tweaked that a couple of times. So they, they didn't take themselves too seriously and they, they had fun with it. But there were also episodes where we would go like 10 minutes in before we got that. Yes. Now, this season, well, basically from the time that Beckett became captain, she was a much more hands-on in the interrogation room captain than her predecessors. Absolutely. She was uh, very much still lead detective. Um, it was a very odd transition to captain to me. It was like she didn't fully embrace the promotion. Yeah, but I th the, the impression I got, and I don't know that there was anything on screen to really give me this, but the higher-ups went, because we actually saw her interviewing at one point for this. They, the impression I got is they realized you're not going to keep her off the street entirely, nor should you. Yeah. Because her track record over the, the preceding years has been so strong. Yeah. This is not somebody you put as captain because they're slowing down or they need to push paper versus going on the streets or whatever. This is somebody who can get the job done. Well, and uh, Castle opened the PI company because there was that I want to call it a separation of church and state. It was a, you can't work with the PD for he a while. He essentially got kicked out of the PD for a while. Yeah. So it's, well, then I can be a PI and happen to work those same cases. Well, I can be clever. And watching that status quo change where he's on the out with the guys, you know, oh, they can't work with him, oh, they need to. And they, 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 they kept tweaking the status quo over the over time, but in an in evolutionary sort of a way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, this happened, so there are these ramifications. Mm -hmm. And I like that. It was really interesting watching Ryan and Esposito kind of take sides when Beckett and Castle had a lover's spat. Yeah, when it looked like they were split up, and at one point they're thinking he cheated on her. Yeah. Uh, it was. It gave all the actors some good material to work with. Yeah. It. it change the dynamic a little but never in an irrevocable way they can't get back to a happy status quo yeah and i like that because it bothers me when a creative uh, team or writers say you know what we're gonna go this way because it'll be fun and they're wrong and they've got to just go through crazy stuff to get to, to salvage the situation or it's great but then they say no let's go back to back to basics or something and it's like you did this you can't really take that back but they do anyways well, and the creators were a husband and wife team, and they said from the start, we're trying to build a real couple. Mm -hmm. They're going to go through the real ups and downs, but our goal is for them to be together, for well, them to survive. There was a lot of question early on of if they get together, is that the end of the show? Is it moonlighting? Exactly. And they were very clear, no, we've got a game plan. And they did. They had a good one. 
Well, and their point was, we're married, and we consider our life together interesting. Life does not end on your wedding day. Ask any married couple, and they'll tell you, our life continued after the day we got married. Yeah, You know, so they they wanted to prove to people that a show could go beyond, could could start with two single characters, could take them through the wedding and move beyond. They could have all those aspects of life. And they did. I do think there was a little bumpiness around the wedding time where he was kind of missing in action for a while, you know, and there was, there were a few times where. I don't know how much of that we can lay on the writing versus the actors. I'm not saying it's the writing. Yes. I'm saying that was around the time yeah. in the series. But even if you go further back, there was a time when Beckett had been shot. There was ramifications of that. You know, there were t- uh, a lot of things happen, and it's the whole series in my mind. What was titled Castle was around the Castle Beckett relationship. Yes, we start with them meeting, and that's our through line. Yeah, and it was coming down to ninth season. Were they to get that, and they did not? Do they get rid of some cast members? How do they keep it going? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, as long as they had kept Fillion and uh, 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 Stanikatic, the the two leads. They could have literally gotten rid of everybody else, completely changed the location and the status quo. They go traveling and solve mysteries. They do this. They go, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And as long as you keep the mystery aspect, the romantic comedy aspect, you could make it work. It would be different. Yes. And then when it was announced that uh, Stana would be not coming back to the show... I, how did it go? Was she was invited not to return? Her contract ended. It was. It was See, weird. That was the thing, and that's part of what really frustrates me with the media storm that seemed to go around this. Is my understanding was the network told the show Stana and the actress who plays Lainey, whose mm-hmm. name I can't come up with at the moment, but they said those two female leads combined make the show too expensive. But if you cut those two female leads, your show is within budget. Well, and if if the minute it was looking like Stana was not going to come back and you lose the Beckett character, they could have done a ninth season that could have been terrific, but it would have been a fundamentally different kind of a show. Yeah, well, and what, what really upset me was then it was not terribly long later, it felt like maybe a week or two later, the network then announces we're canceling the show because Stana Caddick decided not to return to the show. No, she did not. You told the show they could not bring her back for another season. Yeah, it had already been, here's what the decision is. She's invited not to come back. She did a very kind of graceful Twitter message, whatever. She did. But it was, uh, I think it was a little longer than a week. It felt like a little more because it it was, do they, can they get, uh, in, do they get the rest? What's going on? It Enough- felt like about two weeks. It was, yeah, it was that. not long, but it was just long enough that it felt like the network was hoping people would forget that they were the ones that said, yeah. your two female leads are making it too expensive. And then they turned around and said, because Stan is not coming, has chosen to not come back is how they phrased it in what I saw. We're canceling you. And that felt unfair. Totally, totally. And I think they were at the point, though, where without her continuing the show was a mistake. I, I, The impression I've gotten, not being involved in obviously any of these discussions, I don't think it was her idea. She may have been ready to move on. And I want to see what she does next because she did a wonderful job in this series. She did. 
the series I do not think would have worked with the lesser actress in that role or somebody who didn't have the on-screen chemistry with Nathan Fillion. Yeah. And there's been some question in what I've read as to the nature of that chemistry off-screen. It seems a bit volatile, potentially. Well, my understanding is she got married right before season eight started filming. And right before season seven started filming, that Nathan was trying to find more time to have a private life, to have a relationship, etc. And I know from my experiences on set, when people are working 16 and 18 hour days and they're revolving around actors who can only work 12 hour days and you have all these conflicting schedules and yeah, all these it's long days. grueling hours. It is. And then you have these people who want, quote, time for their private life, which of course they do. Everybody wants more than mm-hmm. just eight hours to sleep. Then you do get these tensions of people saying, but when do I get a day off? Yeah. And- it- I don't know how, with how much screen time each of them had. Either of them had more than Saturday and Sunday off. Well, and Fillion had done, again, a few other series before this. He's been working pretty steadily. They're, they're, it's a rough schedule. Um, plus, in between seasons, he was doing a couple of movies, I think. here. Uh, he definitely did. Um, There's Firefly. He or did Serenity before. He did, oh, that was before. And Serenity before this. Oh. He did... Um, the small bit in one of the Percy Jacksons that would have been during this. Right, right, right. Uh, he also, I thought, did a, like a horror film that we saw. He did. A, a panel for Con part of one year. Yeah, he did. Slither um, or something. Con Man. Right, he did Con Man with Alan Tudyk. Just this past year or so. Um, so he's, he's, he's been a busy guy, and I can see wanting to kind of scale back a little. Uh, again, I'm curious what he does next, certainly what, what Stana does next, really what a lot of the cast does yeah. next. Uh, Molly Quinn, who played Alexis, um, I'm going to be very curious where she goes uh, because I think she's got some talent. I also think pale red hair, it's it's something that's not an easy look to just drop into any show. Mm-mm. Um, I mean, she's, she's very beautiful and whatnot, but again, the, the vibrant hair, it's... Uh, it's not the typical call sheet, uh, what they're looking for kind of a thing, which is a shame. I could see her in a sitcom fairly easily as the next step. I think she's done some voice acting, too. Oh, absolutely. She played uh, Supergirl in um, one of the animated features. Did a great job. I think it was opposite Matt Bomer from uh, White Collar was Superman. I could be wrong on that. Um, she's also done voice work on, I don't know if it was the... Tinkerbell fairy stuff or a, a variant of that for some other company, kind of. Mm-hmm. But some something of that sort. Um, so, yeah, she's and she's done some other uh, uh, small movies and stuff. Uh, so she's she's definitely got some credits to her name. Uh, the guys who play Ryan and Esposito uh, could easily go on and, and do plenty of other stuff. Yeah, Seamus Deaver and John Huertas. Uh, I would suspect uh, Seamus, who played Ryan, would that's the one I expect to see pop up next before uh, Huerta, who's, again, both are good actors, but I think Seamus has, uh, we've seen, I've seen him in one or two other things. He's got some incredible range and also, a, I don't say that every man Hollywood look, mm-hmm. but he's got the ability to be both the character actor and the leading man, I think. So I think, again, promising future there. Um, Stana, though, is the one that I'm really curious. I think she could anchor her own show. Mm-hmm very easily um 
Whether she would want to do that after doing eight seasons of a, a ongoing show, don't know. Well, and I'm pretty sure it was well after pilot season that it was announced this was cast canceled. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see anyone on anything next season. Certainly not before probably the third to fourth episode. Yeah, I yeah, I think by the time they realized they were available, getting their agents on the ball to to get something might have been a little challenging, just given where the production cycles mm-hmm. were. Yeah. Um. But pretty much everybody that was a regular for the full time, I could easily see and would like to see on other shows going forward. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the one who played Martha. Um, wow. She's got a long resume already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's She's been doing this for quite some time. That's one that I think would be a, an actress that's a little harder to place because the role she had here of the mother, the... The, the confidant, the age of, you know, the, the the voice of both wisdom and at times wackiness or whatever. That's a little bit uh, harder, rarer of a role, I should mm-hmm. say. Harder, harder kind of actress to find the right, okay, that's where she fits. Yeah. But when you do, as they did here, adds so much to the show. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, Ed Asner when he would start playing kind of that grandfather role or whatever. Not every show needs that. Yeah. But you get him on the right one. It's like, ooh, golden. Yeah. So this is a show that I'm going to miss. I think it aged well. It did have a few rough spots here and there. A couple of things where they went a little too much into the arc than I would have cared about or off in a direction. It's like, yeah, pull back to to kind of the basics or whatever. Yeah. But it never went totally astray. It never went totally off the rails. And it always had uh, a payoff every episode. They solve whatever that mystery is, unless it was one of those rare two-parters. Well, and I'd say... Probably 97% of the episodes, give or take, had a really good sense of humor to them. Yes. It was a a nice mix of a little bit of slapstick physical humor here and there, uh, a little, you know, castle fumbling with something or, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of a thing. Some of it was the the romantic comedy aspect of it, and some of it was just the, the crazy people either that they encounter or that castle is or is theorizing is out there yeah you know it was it never took itself too seriously yeah there were times that even castle got very serious and and you know whatnot but never for too long it never lost sight of why we tuned in and liked the pilot yeah you know and that to me is kind of rare because a lot of shows and i've talked about this before there's the show they set out to write the show they they get on the air the show that we think we're watching and then the show they think they've been writing. Yeah. And it's like they, they start one way and it just kind of diverges. And again, there was getting the arc stuff and Locksat and and a few of the, the more crazy, you know, Richard goes missing for a while, you know, sorts of angles. But it never lost sight of the their their homicide detectives. Yeah. They're they're solving cases. We've always got a case going. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it never became, it, it never lost sight of what it was. What was your take on the final? Final few moments? Yeah. I'll, I'll toss out two possible theories and ask, which did you take it to be? Let's set the scene. They figured out who Loxat is. Loxat was trying to kill them by incinerating them to destroy the evidence. They get back to the apartment. We think all is well. They've, they've conquered Loxat. They, they're, they're good. And then one of them, uh, Castle stops to realize, wait, if they had an incinerator, why did this guy's body get burned in the back of a car at the beginning of the episode? Turn, guy then walks in, shoots Castle. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Kate, who's in the bedroom, comes, shoots him, gets shot. Both are, uh, Castle and Beckett are now on the floor, presumably bleeding to death, crawling towards each other in their, their what could be their final few moments. And we've had a line from the guy who shot them. Mm-hmm. Maybe an episode before, maybe earlier in this episode of It Takes X Amount of Time. Seven minutes. There uh, you go. From, from when you die to when your brain stops. Yeah. Um, and that's when your life flashes before your eyes. Yeah. He's threatening her, don't let this be the, the moment you regret. Yes. And we've had the episode with the immortal superhero where um, Castle is obsessed with what you see when you died. Yeah. And the white light. And then we have the moments. So both of these uh, two, Castle and Beckett, are on the floor, presumably bleeding to death. It, I think, faded to black. It kind of faded to black as we kind of cut and switched yeah, to right. the we're, side. We're panning across the, um, the, the loft, hearing clips from when they first meet, key moments of their relationship. Kind of like we're flashing back through their life together. Yeah. Um, and then we get a seven years later caption. And they are essentially coming out of the bedroom with three kids that are well under seven. As if they've survived, had a wonderful life, had kids, and they're just continuing forward. And it was it was perplexing to me because there was no reason to believe anyone was going to show up at that loft anywhere near remotely fast enough to call 911, get medical help, save their life, whatever. They've been shot critically. They look like they're bleeding to death, bleeding out just right then and there. Lots of chest wounds, stomach wounds, yeah, all... Chest wounds, their, their entire shirts have gone red. Yeah. Um, no sign of a cell phone near either of their hands. Okay. Well, and everybody else they know seems to be off at the bar partying. Yes. Oh, and we have long since abandoned the talking pyramid. The Siri kind yes. of thing. So, at, prior to the seven years later, I'm like, well, that's it. They're dead. We've gone from when they met, met to the, you know, forever after, you know... So is it their life flashing before their eyes mixed with a, this is what they wanted their life to be, what they thought their life could have been together, what they would have resolved in those final moments as they were lying on the floor dying of, if we survive this, this is what our life will be. I, I am going to choose to take it as... Is this the writer's fulfillment of the promise that they were going to give us a show where the couple works together, they persevere, they find their happy ending. This is their heaven, is is the approach I'm going to take. Okay. They died, and this is their happily ever after. Which is a horrible ending. But see, that's- Because sooner or later, Alexis and Martha's going to come home, find them, panic, call yeah. Ryan and Espo. They're going to have to go, you know, it's like, well, the killer's right there. There's nothing to do. I mean, there, there's there's another scene of, of you know, the the funeral, the- and that's the, it, it was, to me, too ambiguous on the did they die or not. Yes. I, I frankly would have skipped the why didn't he get incinerated entirely. Mm-hmm. He's dead. We saw the body. They tested the DNA. Him walking in the door makes no sense. I think that was an error. And I would have, have left it at, instead of, hey, let's have breakfast, let's go to bed. We'll worry about the rest tomorrow. You know, there's mm-hmm. always another hump. There's always more to come. Yeah. Because this is also a, a property that has spawned uh, a, how many novels? A couple of novels. Oh, 
yeah, five, six, and they've even gone back and done some of the Derek Storm uh, comics and novels. I well, mean- I was going to say the comics. I've read the Derek Storm comics, and so I mean, this is there's stuff based on the Nikki Heat, the previous Richard Castle property of Derek Storm, stuff on necessarily Castle itself, and it's something that if they wanted to continue in novels, they really easily could have. Yeah. It lends itself to a series of those, um, either written by Richard Castle or written about Richard Castle. Yeah. But the way they ended it just kind of ended it on a really, it's like having this great piano concerto and ending on something that sounds like they really just fumbled the last couple of notes. Yeah. You know, or instead of the drummer hitting the 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 cymbal or whatever, they, they dropped the drumstick. It, and I'm not saying it was a fatal flaw. No, it just left me confused. It did not work for me. Yeah. It, it did not end the series on a, you know, that was a good ending. Mm-hmm. It was really a, okay, I gotta, it, I've gotta figure that out. Exactly. It left me with a, I have to decide what this means. And it, it felt like they wanted every viewer to take from it what they wanted. It violated something that they had really clearly stated uh, an episode prior, an episode or two prior, with the safe, the vault in Richard's uh, PI office. Schrodinger's vault? Schrodinger's vault. And it's like, well, the, the guy, somebody broke it into the office because of the previous person who'd had the office, tw- not the previous, somebody who had it 20 years prior who had a, a vault in there. And Richard's like, I didn't even know it was in there when we were remodeling. They found it. And I'm like, and uh, uh, Haley and Alexis are, well, you've opened it, right? He's like, no. No, only Haley asks oh, that. Ha- that's right. Uh, Alexis-, Alexis knew the answer. Yeah. Because if he, and he, what he said is nothing could be in there that could live up to what I expect to be. It would be a disappointment. So by not opening it, I know it could always be something amazing. Mm-hmm. But by knowing it, it you know, it's going to be a disappointment. And they're like, okay, so we think it's a demonic, undead, antichrist hunter who's going after it or whatever. That's worth opening. He's like, it's like, and it, it, it was kind of that insight into his mind of, of what's worth not knowing what must be known. Kind yeah. Of. But that's where I felt they, they erred on the ending. If they had found a way to end it on, uh, I don't want to say on a non-definitive note, I certainly would not have wanted them to be getting ready for breakfast, knock on the door, they open it. Oh, oh my God cut end of series that would suck i don't want a cliffhanger but if there could have been some positive revelation or just kind of a what do you want to do next i don't know how about you yeah fade to black yeah you know or they get another call it's another homicide it's something yeah where it's clearly there's there's more to tell but it's either the start of another story or this relationship is now solid and 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 on cruise control yeah Kind of a more of the same, we've, we've told you what you've got to know. Yeah. Versus either definitively having ended it by killing them, or by magically they have a boring life for seven years and they've got kids for some strange reason. Yeah. Um, And not seeing anyone other than those two in that seven year later thing bothered me. Yeah. If we'd seen Alexis doing some of the babysitting or something. Yeah. If, if what they had done instead is saved a little bit more time at the end. And we essentially see clips from the next couple of years. You know, oh, they, they're going to have a baby. Oh, 
uh, here's what's going on with Ryan and Espa. Oh, here's what's going on with Alexis with Martha. And just their lives play out and, and they lived happily, happily ever after being the, the unstated theme. Yeah. You know, in, in getting to where potentially we see them old, gray, out at the, uh, the, the, the beach house at Martha's Vineyard or wherever the hell it was that he had the place. The Hamptons. The Hamptons. That's where it was. Of kind of, they lived heavily ever after. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's that. Yeah. The, I would have actually rather have seen that, you know, roll forward to Beckett's eventual retirement, you know, Castle having had more books, getting awards, and, you know, now they're 30, 40 years later. You know, in other words, there's more stuff to tell. We're telling a few things that, hey, if they lived this long, would have happened anyways. Yes. We're not giving anything away. We're not setting certain continuity other than they both live long. Yeah. That, I think, would have been a much more satisfying ending. Because the other thing you could have done and would have fit the series mm-hmm. is had Castle almost narrate that. Mm, yeah. And you could go for quite a bit of this is how it is, and then cut back to them in the loft with the wine and, and, and uh, Beckett saying, really, that's what you see? Yes. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah. He's, he's basically, this is our future. I figured it all out. Yeah. That would have been hilarious. Um, so I think there are ways they could have they could have really landed the ending much much better than they did. Aside from that last really thirty seconds to a minute, yeah, uh, I thought it was a good ending. Again, the lock set reveal I was not really crazy about, but I liked how they tried to tie things together. They tried to end on a clean note. Yeah, um, and I don't think they failed miserably, but they also didn't knock it out of the park. I will admit that the truth serum for Castle kind of worked. I still think the the scene I would have used as the basis for that uh-huh. is uh, from the Wonder Woman animated movie, ah, yeah, where Nathan Fillion does the voice of Steve Trevor, Carrie Russell does Wonder Woman. It does a terrific job at that. They're in the uh, the Invisible Plane, and he's talking and just saying things he's like why am i saying this and realizes his foot has kind of yeah gotten entangled in her magic lasso the truth lasso and stuff now so. you pointed out as we were watching that the right hand man told castle how to defeat the truth serum yes he's been drugged with the truth serum and castle says something uh you know beckett will defeat you whatever and and the guy says well just because you believe it to be true. Doesn't make it the truth. Doesn't make it the truth. And I'm like, dude, you've just told this to a wildly imaginative writer who can convince himself of just about anything. Aliens are real, time travel, etc. Yeah, we've been watching it for eight seasons. I would have loved to have seen a moment of realization with Castle on that, and then for him to start spinning a tale. Yeah. And, and basically get this guy absorbed in the storytelling. As the others come in and rescue him, of just you know, here's what's here's what's happening. I know it to be true because I am the author. I am making it true. Yeah. And that didn't happen, and that was a little disappointing. Yeah. See, what I liked about that scene was the part before it, where the guy was asking you, "You were a playboy until Beckett. You were this wild, crazy guy. You settled down. What happened?" Yeah. And that was the part of the truth serum scene I did like, where yes. he openly honestly candidly talks about you know she made me a better man she makes me want to be a better man there was some great stuff in there Mm -hmm. challenges him raises him to a higher level yeah they're good for each other yeah 
and that was that was the part of the show that if they had kept that aspect, that dynamic of those two characters, and changed almost everything else mm-hmm. in a slow, believable, or just a believable manner, it's it's still worth watching. Yeah. We saw that pretty much with Unforgettable, when the two lead detectives at the beginning of a season have just been essentially stolen by another department. This guy's like, you solve crimes with a high rate. I need people who can do that. There are your desks. Welcome to the club if you want it. Yeah. And basically their entire, almost their entire status quo and supporting cast from the previous season gone. They grabbed one. Yeah. And it worked well. Yeah. That was uh, Jane Curtin, actually. Yes. The, the medical examiner. Um. So Castle, eight years. I think if you liked it at the beginning, uh, you've got a, a high probability of liking it at the end. It does have a few things that, you know, to me, it wasn't, I don't say always on message, but there are a few things where it's like, really, he's vanished. They're getting a little bit too much into this arc, whatever. But it, again, never lost sight of always having that, that crime per episode to solve, stayed focused, um, and was, was well worth watching. But I also think ending it at this point made sense. Yeah. It's not like it was played out and they were done and they went too long. They could have done another couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, there are a couple of things from some of the past seasons, and not just necessarily the immediate past seasons, that they could have, have retooled and tuned and had a, a better, better yeah. show. It was never bad. No. Um, but it, it was could usually have been stronger. Above average, but there are a few places where, again, it could have, been, and I would have liked to have seen it have been stronger. Yeah. But they should be proud of the work they did. Definitely. It, it was a, a fun series, and this is one of those casts where I expect to see. The majority of them, if not all of them, doing a lot of work in the future. They're just too good of, of actors and stuff to pass up. Likewise, I expect to see the writing uh, crew uh, on other shows going forward. I agree. So anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.